and welcome back to In My Non-Expert Opinion. I'm your host, Chelsea Reif. This podcast focuses on business, travel, lifestyle, and a lot about manifesting the life of your dreams, which I am trying to do in 2020. Happy 2020, everyone. I don't know about you, but I definitely feel a sense of renewed energy. I actually don't believe in New Year's resolutions because I think it's kind of an excuse for people to just put things off until January 1st. But if you think about it, January 1st was just a random Wednesday. Uh, Like today is basically Wednesday. I could say this was my new year. Again, it's just a time frame that men made up to basically have a structure in society. I know that sounds like super woo-woo, but for real, like why couldn't you start something March 1st or July 1st or February, you know, 24th? Like why do you have to wait until January 1st? So if you did wait till January 1st, I do hope you are, you know, sticking to your goals or resolutions or whatever it was. I think we can all agree if we try to make these huge, grandiose resolutions, we get overwhelmed and then we just don't even do it. So I try to make just really small ones that aren't even like tactical. So they're not like action steps like I'm going to write five goals down a week and then I'm going to run to the gym. And then like, I don't, I don't really do that. I kind of just pick an overall topic I want to work on, but something I do want to work on is getting a little bit more tactical. So I will say the tactic that I'm using this year is the 1% better method. I just learned about this. I've, I've heard about it and, and you know read about it before, but I haven't really looked into it. And then two podcasts that I was listening to almost back to back talked about it and they were both not even for the new year. They were just random podcasts. I was listening to some old ones, some new ones. Um, one of them was on Fuck Your Brain. And then I think actually the other one wasn't a podcast. It was a newsletter with Holisticism's Michelle Pelzon, which I've had on the podcast. So I was like, let me look into this 1% better thing. And it basically was just saying, do something 1% better each day. So by the end of the year, you've had a 365% better increase. Now, if you think about it is like nothing. I mean, it's 1%. So for me, the 1% could literally be making my bed. To me, that's like 10%. I hate making my bed. So to me, that's 10% better. So don't overwhelm yourself with 1%. Don't say like, oh, 1% is me. I have to go run to the gym, do an hour class and run back. That's 1%. No, that's actually like 25%. That's a pretty big commitment. 1% could just be, I'm just going to take the stairs today, or I'm going to walk down the street and um, walk to the beach and then walk back up instead of taking the bus or my car or whatever the case is. The 1% could be making your bed. The 1% could be reading, you know, three pages of a book. Again, it could even be one page of a book. As long as you're just doing something different from the day before that is bettering yourself, either mentally, spiritually, financially, whatever it is, that could be your 1%. If it's financially, maybe you put $1 in a jar every day. Like $1 is 1% of, of the, better than the day before. So I like this method because it's not overwhelming. And if I think about it, like 1% really is so manageable. It's like doing something just a bit different every day, but it does help me feel like, okay, I did something a little bit better than I did yesterday and it's improving me in some type of way. So that's my like goal for the year is just doing 1% better each day and really doing a lot more inner work and like self-reflection. I think the last few months have been really hard. I'll, I'll talk about the holidays and you know Australia updates in a second. If you're a first time listener, I moved to Australia almost six months ago, so I do little updates in the beginning. But yeah, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, but yeah, back to resolutions. I I really want to just focus on 
the spiritual side of me because I, I tend to go in and out of that where I'll be really, really into it and then I fall back and then I'll get really into it and then I'll fall off and then I'll be kind of into it and then it just has been really inconsistent. But I notice whenever I'm doing that stuff, I always feel better. So for example, in Bali, obviously I felt amazing. I was doing yoga every day. We were meditating. We were doing breath work. I was getting massages. I got a birth chart reading. I was doing kirtan where you sing. I was doing like, I don't even remember. We basically anything wellness we were doing. Obviously that's not sustainable and I don't live my life like that, but I could take the whole 1% better method and apply that to my everyday life. So I notice when I don't have a routine, I start to kind of spiral like with my thoughts, I get lazy with my workouts, I get pretty unmotivated and I'm always like, why did this happen? And it's usually because I strayed away from that spiritual side of me or I just stopped doing something that I had some stability with. So that is a major goal of 2020 is just to keep that stability because it really keeps my energy in check, which is has been out of control. So moving abroad obviously is already a big deal. There's a huge shift in energy. You're leaving a life that you had behind. I have a different job. I I actually have three jobs. I have different coworkers. I have different commutes. I have different friends. I hang around different cultures. I'm eating different food. I wake up at a different time. Like everything is different. So obviously my energy changed when I came over here because I just had to adapt. The other side of that is I didn't realize, which sounds silly, how unstable everything was gonna be which if you're listening, you're like, wait, duh, it's going to be unstable. You just left a a life of stability. You left a full-time job where you had a desk job and you had a consistent paycheck and blah, blah, blah. What I mean is the friend groups I have and the people I meet and, and my work even is so unstable because when you're on this visa, it's a temporary visa. So everything comes to an end at some point. So your job, you can actually only work for six months and then you have to switch. And then, you know, things are always changing because they're hiring new people. Everyone's on the working holiday visa. So you kind of always have like new coworkers, new managers, new teams. Whereas in America, I have the same coworkers for like five years. So I just was not used to, I'm not used to that, you know, instability of my environment constantly changing. And then just the friend groups, like I actually had half my friends just leave to go do their farm work. I farm work. Oh my gosh. I forgot. If you're listening, you probably know what that is. If you want to stay here a second year on a working holiday visa, you have to go do 90 days of farm work, literally working on a farm. However, Americans, because we travel so little, somehow have the perk of doing hospitality work instead. So we got the benefit of they're trying to lure us over here with hospitality work instead of farm work. So, um, yeah, that's just a side note, but yeah, a lot of people go leave to do their farm work. I have another friend whose visa is ending. I have friends that don't live close by at all. It would take like an hour and a half just to get there by commute or uh, public transport. So it's just really hard to keep a solid group of friends because it's no fault of their own. They just leave. I have other friends that are just like, yeah, I don't want to live in Sydney my whole time here. I wanted to go explore. So people go do these like three month road trips around Australia. People want to go live in Melbourne. People want to go live in Byron Bay. So they just pick up and go. And I'm not used to that. Like if you're from America, you're really not used to anyone picking up and going that much. And if you make a new friend group, it's like maybe one or two people leave because they found a new job or they moved back home. But it's not like literally leaving the country or other side of the world or picking up just at the drop of a hat. So that's actually been really hard to deal with. 
And I was trying to figure out, okay, how can I manage this? Because it really throws me off when, you know, you wake up and you have a friend group to go out with, or you're, you're seeing someone or something happens that you're like, this isn't a thing anymore. Like their visa ended or they had to leave or they're, they're just left to another city. And I realized my routine was missing, which is why I'm going back to the whole importance of having a routine. And my routine has changed. I used to have a very strict routine in Florida last year. I was waking up at the same time, going to bed at the same time, cooking dinner at the same time, working out in the morning at the same time, like very, very specific with my day because I had a nine to five. So I knew what to expect each week. This year with Australia, I have three jobs. Now I've just gotten to a point where I can actually pick the days and times I work. One of them was a hospitality job. So it was kind of all over the place. Like I couldn't, it was just like, I need to work whenever I can get work. The other one was I could pick three days to work. And then the other one was just a long, long commute. So I kind of just didn't even count that day as a day to do anything. Um, But I just like literally this week figured out, okay, these are the days I'm working. These are the times I'm working. It's going to be the same every week. So that hopefully now I can start basing my sleep schedule and my actual, um, you know, morning routine around that. So I used to have a longer morning routine as well, where it was like, uh, you know, everything. It was working out for an hour, journaling for 10 minutes, meditating for 10 minutes, um, visualizing for five minutes. I was really specific about it. Now I've just realized because I've fallen off, I can't just immediately, you know, jump back to that. It's pretty hard to just get back into like a 30 minute to an hour morning routine. So going back to the 1% better thing, I'm going to try to just do 1% better each morning with a short routine, maybe five or 10 minutes. So I'm trying to in the morning, A, not check my phone because I made that a really bad habit. I was not doing that last year. And for some reason in the last three months, I am scrolling at bedtime. I'm scrolling in the morning, like very bad. I'm like reacting to texts and messages and emails. It's like, that. why would I start my morning that way when I already have to deal with that all day anyway? So I'm really trying to make you know a, a concentrated effort to be like, 30 minutes, you can live without your phone. My routine's not 30 minutes, by the way. It's like 10 right now. So I'm waking up. I'm not checking my phone. I try to breathe in and breathe out like three deep breaths just to kind of clear anything out, like clear the sleep, clear my head for the day. And then I'll either meditate for, I'm not kidding, like one to three minutes. I try to visualize a lot during meditation. So everyone kind of has their own definition. Like you can use Headspace. You can find guided meditations on YouTube. You can pick someone that you like on Instagram and listen. Again, I don't really like to use my phone. So I am trying to just uh, visualize during that one minute to three minutes, just about how I want my day to go. What do I want my life to look like? How do I want to show up that day? Like it's just, I really try to visualize it. So do that. I do like a few little side stretches. I just feel like I'm always slouching over at my desk. So I try to stretch to the side and then I'll take out my journal and do some type of gratitude list or like journaling of how I feel and what I'm going to do if I'm feeling sad to fix that or if I'm feeling happy, why I'm feeling that. Just kind of a reflection period of like, let me sit with my thoughts because if you think about it, when do you ever address your thoughts during the day? You're always reacting to something. You're reacting to a text, an email, a client, a parent, a brother, a sister, like a boyfriend, a, a girlfriend, everything. You're always reacting all day and never sitting with your thoughts. So I do think there is something to be said about sitting with your thoughts for even one minute. Um, I'm actually going to look into more meditation 
in a group style settings because I feel like I could gain so much more out of meditation. I'm just not taking the time to really commit to it. And there's actually a meditation center right down the street from me. So I think I might go look at one of the intro sessions. And that's what I meant too by 2020, kind of tapping into my spiritual side more because I know the benefits all these things can do. I just like to make excuses to myself like, oh, I'm busy or I had a long night or, oh, you know, whatever, I'll do it tomorrow. And it's like, no, I think if I had a group setting that I could go to where I felt more of a community and not like so alone in my room doing all this, I might be a little more committed to the practice. So yeah, that's something I might be doing is joining a meditation center. Um, The one I'm looking at does Vedic meditation. So I don't know if any of you have heard of that, but if you have, please let me know. I would love to hear your experience. I've only heard good things about it from people that have done it on podcasts. So I would love to hear if you've done it as well. What else for New Year's? Oh, I'm doing Gabby Bernstein's 21 Manifestation Challenge, and I just went on vacation, and I'm actually behind like two or three days, so I probably need to do that right after this. Um, If you know Gabby Bernstein, she's a speaker and author. She has a super popular book out right now called Super Attractor, and she talks about all this stuff around meditation, around manifesting, the universe. She's very like all like the expert on all those topics. So I did a little manifestation challenge just because it's something fun and exciting to look forward to in the new year. So I would say if you don't really have like a goal the new year, like let's just say you're like, I'm fine. Like I like my routine. I like my workouts. I like my day. I like my job. Like everything's going well for you. Maybe just pick something different that excites you or that's like more part of a community. So this manifestation challenge, I'm immediately now part of a community that's all doing the same challenge. So there's a Facebook group, there's an email list, there's like a membership. I don't know that I'm going to, you know, join every single one of those things, but at least the Facebook group, I've now joined like thousands of people that have the same mindset as I do. That's something that's really, 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 really important to me in 2020 is surrounding people with either higher vibes or that I want to emulate or that are creative or that are just like have really good intentions that I'm like, you know what? My energy raises when I'm with them because I think last year I did a really bad job of setting boundaries with people. And I think I just let, I just say yes to everything social. And I think that led me to just hang out with people that I like didn't need to be hanging out with and just bringing down my energy and just using the excuse of like, oh, well, they haven't done anything to me. So why do I need to stop hanging out with them? It's like people's energy is so contagious. So when you're hanging out with people that are negative or complain a lot or just want to get super fucked up all the time, you're bound to take on that energy. And then you obviously feel the effects of that if that's not who you are. So for me, I think that's why I started to feel so out of alignment the last few months is because I was like, wow, I need to like check myself. Like, what am I doing? I don't feel good. Why is that? I can't just, it can't just be me. It's probably the people I'm hanging out with or the circle I have or the choices I'm making. And that's definitely true. So for me to join these communities of like-minded people, AKA the meditation center, the manifestation challenge group, like these are all things now that I'm like, these are communities I want to be a part of because it just shows me, look at all these people that are thinking the same thing that we can learn from each other. And I know that sounds like super kumbaya and community and peace and love, but it's actually wild what, how much your energy can shift when you hang around people that have a higher vibe mindset and you start to feed off that and it makes you want to just show up a little bit better. So 
that is a definite big goal of 2020 is like surrounding myself with only good vibe people. Um, and I hate the word good vibes, but like, that's the only way I can describe it. Like those high vibes, good energy, that is what's going on. Speaking of that, excuse me, getting a little sick. I just got back from traveling. Actually, I just went to Byron Bay. And what's funny is I went with a girl that I literally met last week. And in America, if I told someone that they'd be like, are you on crack cocaine? You went on vacation to another city and stayed with a girl you met seven days ago. Actually, at the time we went, it was like four days prior. But this is what I'm talking about with high vibe energy. So I'll talk quickly about the holidays in Sydney. The last few months have been really weird because it's obviously the holidays. I it's, It was Thanksgiving, then it was Christmas, then it was New Year's. And I wasn't around my family for any of it because I'm in Australia. Now, I had already known that I wasn't going to be around my family for that. So like in my mind, I thought I had prepared. I'm like, yeah, it's good. You know, whatever. It's just another day. You'll You'll move through it. It's fine. Thanksgiving, whatever. It's just a holiday to me that we like eat and go around and say thanks. I I don't know if this is bad to say, but I I really don't have a lot of like meaning around Thanksgiving. So when I missed that, it wasn't like a heartbreaking thing. It was more of Christmas and New Year's. So the reason being, I think, um, when was it? In October, my grandpa passed away and it already really bothered me that I couldn't go back home. Um, It's really expensive to fly home. They had a pretty quick funeral by the time I got there and, you know, they would have already had the funeral and I would have had to turn around and it's literally like $2,000 to fly home, if not more. So my grandpa passed away. And by the way, I, I only really knew him as my only grandpa. My other grandpa on the other side of the family passed away when I was young. Like I don't even remember him. So I feel like I was quietly grieving with that because it was just such a weird, um, what's what I'm looking for? Weird feeling to know that he had passed away, but I never got to physically say bye. I never got to actually like see him and give him one last hug or anything like that, which of course I think when anyone passes away, you always look back and you're like, well, I wish I did this or this, but I don't think I like fully ever processed it. So that happened in October. Then recently there was a huge health scare with my dad that, um, you know, I don't really need to talk about yet, but let's just say it was very serious. And one of those moments where you're like, holy shit, like this is real. This is actually going to affect his health. This could affect him for the rest of his life. And I think that topped with my, you know, quiet grieving of my grandfather, along with just, again, the instability of living in Australia started to really hit me. And then the holidays started coming around and I was like, wow, this would be a really nice time to be home. Like with all this stuff going on with how I'm feeling, I would love to just be with my siblings, be with my parents, be at home. But again, it's like $2,500 to fly home. And I was just like, you know what? It will be actually pretty fun in Sydney. Like, let me just look forward to it. Everyone's going to go to the beach, blah, blah, blah. Um, And it'll be a good time. So what was nice is that I had two weeks off of work. Um, I still worked a few of the jobs just because you know, I like the hospitality one didn't close. So I got some extra money. I obviously have to pay my bills, but I I wasn't having to wake up or do anything for those two weeks, just like I did back home. So that was really nice. So when Christmas rolled around, I was like, you know what, this will be fine. It'll be fun. But what I didn't know was that, uh, to get as much alcohol as possible. So when I got to the beach, everyone was absolutely wasted. 
obviously every single liquor store was closed. It was Christmas day. So I was basically trying to bum like beer and wine off of people, which just wasn't working. And then you're dealing with people that are, again, just completely wasted on the beach. We went to this other beach called Bronte. It looked like freaking spring break. Like, I'm not kidding. It looked like MTV spring break music festival. People were like blaring their speakers, sitting on each other's shoulders, raging. Like, I could not believe it. If you saw my story that day, you you probably saw this. Like, it was wild. People were so drunk. Like, the cops were all around. It was insanity. But as you can imagine, having like one beer and half a glass of wine and showing up to that, I was like, ugh, I don't want to be here. So it was just weird because it was actual Christmas Day. So to wake up and like not have your family around, not have like a Christmas breakfast, I didn't have any Christmas music. There was no like... Uh, Aussies like don't really do anything extra like America does. There was like a few Christmas decorations throughout some businesses and some Christmas um, music, but not really. Whereas, you know, Americans like November 28th or whatever day after Thanksgiving, we're throwing up all the Christmas decorations, the lights, the movies, the we're going all out. So I, I wasn't really in the Christmas spirit then to not wake up with your family, to not like... I know this sounds so dumb, but like not have any little presents to open. It was just like really weird. So yeah, Christmas just felt like another like beach day, except that everyone was wearing Santa hats and was absolutely wasted. And then I was starving and like the only thing open was McDonald's. So I had McDonald's, whereas usually I have a Christmas dinner with my family. So yeah, that was my Christmas day. And then other stuff was happening in my personal life that just started to like add up to the, you know, um, issues that I was having here of just like dealing with more hard shit. And so then I was like, God, is this ever going to stop? Like, I just feel like, you know, when it rains, it pours and that's what was happening. And it just sucked that it was happening around the holidays. It was like, what else could possibly happen? And I hate being that person. Like, I really, truly hate when people are like, the world is out to get me. Why is bad things only happen to me? Like, oh my God, everyone else is so lucky. I hate being that person. But I definitely had a little pity party for a second where I was like, holy shit, like, can the universe relax for one second? It's the holidays. Like, give me a break. So then New Year's came around and... I had to work that day. So the company I work for now, it's one of my jobs. I'm a social media manager for a music events company and they had a huge music festival. So I thought, hell yeah, I'm going to be in the music festival, taking all these photos, taking Instagram stories, like backstage with the artist, like on the street interviewing people. But what I didn't realize is they hired photographers and videographers to do all that. I was just in a trailer uploading all the social media content and doing the captions and editing and all that. So in my mind, what I thought was going to be like this insane New Year's, you know, in the festival, I was in a trailer for most of the night, but I got to leave at the end right before the countdown and I met up with my friends and it actually turned out to be quite a fun night. Like I finally met up with them. We watched the countdown together. We watched Girl Talk, which is from the US. Uh, I grew up like listening to them in college. And then I got to go on stage. So then I was like, you know what? This turned out to be an okay New Year's, despite me being in a trailer the entire day and sober. Um, it, it ended up being quite fun. So I'm glad I got to spend it with all my friends. And that was just like a fun little night. Again, I don't know if you hear me. I'm a little nasally. I'm kind of sick from traveling. But there was a story to all this. So my energy was really low. I was feeling so down. I was just like, and I, uh, si like sickness. I feel like the sickness I've had has actually been going on for like two or three weeks probably just from like not having a schedule and being an idiot with my phone all night. But 
yeah, I just felt like so low energy, like, God, like my friends are all leaving. My family isn't here. The holidays have been weird. Like there's a lot of like shit going on with work and personal life and like negativity and like, oh, you know, when you're just getting those like funks, like it's just a funk. That's the only way I can describe it. It's like, oh, get me out of this like gunky, like, oh, feeling. And there was a girl that we had been in touch over my yoga branding. I ended up working with a different designer, but she told me she was moving to Bondi and so we should keep in touch. So finally we're like, you know what? Perfect timing. Let's go grab a coffee. And I was like, I can't wait to meet her. However, I'm, it's so weird because I'm in such a negative headspace. I hope she doesn't think I'm like this negative Nancy all the time. I don't think I really bring that energy, but I maybe I do actually now that I'm saying that out loud I I do think maybe I was probably a little like low vibe but as soon as we met we clicked and it was so wild I felt so comfortable talking to her we were like we actually ended up hanging out for five hours that day like we got lunch at a cafe for probably three hours walked along the coast chilled at the beach talked for like another two hours I was like whoa this is insane that the universe put this person in my life like right when I was just feeling like, God, is there a way to get out of this funk and find some high vibe people? All of a sudden, we're talking about the law of attraction, manifestation, life lessons that we learned. Like, how can we look inward? What reflections can I do? What goals do we have? How can we surround ourselves with more like-minded people? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I haven't met anyone like this in a long time, let alone at the exact time when I needed them. So I was just like, is this like real? And we ended up hitting it off so well that she's like, you know what? I'm actually going to Byron Bay this weekend for my birthday if you want to come. Well, funny enough, I had just looked up Byron Bay for the following weekend. And I was like, you know what? I was going to go to Byron Bay by myself. I might as well go with this girl that I clearly get along with and her friends. And she used to live there for two months. So I was like, hell yeah. So yeah, so that was like, I feel like there's a lot of shitty things that happen, but you have to kind of open up your perspective and be like, what can I learn from this? Because I hate learning lessons all the time, but like, it's true. There's so many shitty things that happen, but when you meet someone that like offers you a different perspective and you can get outside your own perspective, like your own self, you start to look at things differently. So she really helped me look at things differently and it helped me feel better. And then I was like, wow, what a perfect time to go to Byron. And then Byron ended up being this like utopia of a beach town. It's literally like hippies, surfers. It's what you think Australia would look like if you think of Australia. It's like a beach, live music on the lawn, acai bowls, juice bars, um, healthy places to eat, cute little surf boutiques. Like literally what I thought Australia would look like fun, cute little bars, fun, cute little restaurants. Like it was so awesome. I would definitely go back. I I think I went for way too short of a time, but we stayed at wake up hostels would highly recommend. They're amazing. We went to what beach was that? I want to say Wotego. I'm probably completely fucked that up, but yeah, we went to that beach. We did a surfing lesson. We went out a few nights. We went to a reggae night. We went to this insane bar called Cheeky Monkeys. Like, I don't know what the hell that bar is. If you've been and you're probably laughing about what this bar is, it's like the weirdest bar setup I've ever seen. You walk in and it's kind of normal. And then you turn left and it's like stadium style standing like positions. Like, I don't even know, like a dance floor, but it's stadium style seating, literally. It looked like if you were at a football game and you have those stadium style bleachers that were facing each other, like that's how it was in a really small space. I have no idea who built that. 
because it all seemed like a safety hazard, but it was ratchet. It was one of those nights that it's just like, this place is insane. No one cares. We're in like the weirdest setup I've ever seen. And it was just so hilarious because it was like, is this really like where I'm spending the night? But it was really fun. So yeah, we went out there. We had some really good food. Um, we did a lot of walking. I biked the last day. So yeah, I want to go back for a longer period of time because I was really only there two full days. And then I had to travel because I actually flew out from an hour away airport. So I need to go back to Byron Bay. When I got back, I was like, time to get back into my routine, back at work. And although, you know, work is work, it's actually nice because it's like, okay, wow, I have something to focus on, put my energy in reset regroup and now i'm like okay now i want to schedule now i want a routine i want to stick with it so yeah i'm i'm definitely focusing on that one percent better method and getting into a routine what else i feel like those are so many updates i feel like we'll hold off on the updates for the next episode if there's any others that i can think of um yeah there's just so much going on that i'm like if you guys have tips on time management organization, let me know because that is going to be part of keeping a routine is just making sure that I stick to the times that I set for myself because part of a routine is literally doing it at the same time. So if you have apps that help you or software or something, let me know. I like to use apps, but sometimes I get distracted because then I'm like, oh, I don't want to be on my phone all the time. I don't know. I'm rambling now, so let's get into the podcast. Today, we actually have Luke Vandepeer on. He is so knowledgeable. He brought so much value to this interview, and it's kind of perfect timing for 2020. I'm sure health was a lot of our goals this year. I know for me, going back to that 1% better thing, I wanted to make a conscious decision to be 1% better around my health. So whether that was just like walking up the stairs or maybe taking a different route to walk to work or maybe just doing a workout class I've never done, even if it was like a 10 minute YouTube video. But yeah, Luke was a perfect guest to have on because he actually uh, talks about health, history, how we can apply all these different concepts that are a bit more spiritual to eating. And I know you're probably thinking, what is she talking about? Spirituality, eating. But trust me, there is an explanation to what he's talking about, which I really loved. And he gives really practical advice that I don't think is hard to follow. It's just those small changes that we have to do. So I think you'll really enjoy it if you are focusing on health, nutrition, just basically yourself in 2020. I think you'll really like this episode because there's a lot around it with self-discipline and prioritizing things that are important to you as well. So with that, let's dive in so you guys can learn all about Luke's methodology to health and you can apply it to your 2020 goals. All right, guys, I don't know about you, but 2020 feels like a whole new energy for me this year. I don't feel like it's just a new year. It's a new decade. And I feel like everyone's buzzing with new goals, a clean slate, really prioritizing themselves. I've seen a big theme of everyone choosing themselves. So I figured who else to start off the new year than a health expert. So I know health is a big goal of ours uh, in 2020. So welcome to the show, Luke. I am so glad to have you on this podcast today. Awesome, Chelsea. Well, thank you very much for having me. What about your health goals? Like, did you write any down resolutions? Do you believe in resolutions? What are your thoughts on all that? Well, it's it's actually an interesting one. Uh, from a from a resolution point of view, I I'm not one to specifically write down New Year's resolutions as such, um, and that's predominantly got a lot to do with the with kind of the name and the stigma associated with the name because most mm-hmm. people's experience of resolutions is 
is that the resolutions are forgotten by the end of February, if not by the end of January. So I have kind of approached it slightly differently. Um, I very definitely set some new intentions for 2020 and was also exposed um, at the beginning of 2019 to a concept of a word for the year, uh, which is, uh, is, is an interesting concept for me. Uh, my word for the year for 2019 was the word diligent, um, because I needed to, to be more diligent about um, what it was that I was looking to achieve and rather than putting things off, actually be diligent about doing them and, and getting them done. Um, so, And that really worked well for me in 2019. So I'm, I'm looking forward to a, to a big year in 2020 of action. My, my word for the year this year, um, particularly connected with, uh, with my business and in the health space, is the word of action. So it's going to be a big 2020. I love that concept. I need to figure out my word of the year. I feel like I have a lot and I think I need to narrow it down. So that is something that will be on my list today. And Fantastic. tell us about your background. What do you actually do? Can you give everyone a little spiel? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, over the last uh, probably 15 years, um, I've been a part of the I started off in the health and fitness industry, um, and now I've I've kind of transitioned more, I believe, into into more of a health space um, than the the fitness. And some people are probably um, questioning what the difference is between the two. Um, I found that when I I spent three and a half years as a personal trainer, and uh, during that period I was most definitely helping people. But I was helping people more with fitness than actual true health. So when I got exposed to a, to a concept of, um, of iridology and sclerology, um, iridology is the study of your iris, sclerology is the study of the white of your eye, um, when I was exposed to, to those um, concepts and, and those ideas, I really started to delve into, into what health meant rather than just simply what, what fitness was and, and helping people to, to move better. I guess when you looked back at personal training, there are a lot of people that are obviously listening that would say, oh my gosh, I just you know signed up for a personal trainer. I've been thinking about that. What kind of shifted you from completely, I'm assuming you're not doing personal training now. Like what was that catalyst that you're like, this just isn't even working for me anymore? Interesting. Yes. And and there are absolutely most likely people out there who have just signed up to, to start training and doing all of those things. The the interesting thing for me was that the, the training and the, the physical side of it became only one aspect of, of health, so to speak. So the the organisation that I learnt um, the iridology and sclerology concept from is an organisation called Heal Thyself, and they uh, very much subscribe or prescribe um, people to get involved in what they term as the seven principles of health. Now I've probably taken the seven principles of health and and potentially added a couple to it. Um, but the reason why I, I liked the concept of the seven principles of health when it was it was put to me was that five of the the, the seven principles are quite physical. They they are air, so the air you breathe, water, so the water you drink and how much you drink, 
Sunshine, do you get out in it? Do you enjoy the sunshine? Exercise, do you do it? How are you doing it? And whole food, how much whole food are you eating and, and what makes up your, your nutrition side of things? And then the other two were two that are not physical. Firstly, relationships, not necessarily just relationships with people around you, but also your relationship with yourself. And then number seven was passion. What are you passionate about? What lights your fire? What gets you excited? And as aspects of health, the fact that those two extra ones that are not physical were included was massive and is massive for a lot of people's health. Can you actually expand on that? Because I personally know this year, I've talked about this on my podcast, as soon as I stopped obsessively tracking everything with, you know, macros and apps and every little thing I was tracking and I was doing like two classes a day. I remember one week, I think I did 14 exercise classes in a week and I thought I was going to be absolutely ripped and toned and like, you know, Iron Man (laughs) and it didn't turn out that way. It actually like didn't really do anything. But then when I moved to Australia, I just, I didn't have time to really work out. I was just walking everywhere. I was just relaxed and I saw huge changes in my body. And I think that had a lot to do with mindset and hormones. So can you expand on that whole concept around the non-physical part of health? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it is massive. It's massive um, for everyone. Um, so yeah, the, the non-physical side of health, if you are in a relationship with yourself that is not positive, so you're constantly questioning who you are, what you do, what you're eating, how much exercise you're getting, am I getting enough, am I breathing right, should I have gone for a walk today, did I go for a run at lunchtime, uh, should I have had that coffee, uh, should I, have I moved in the last 45 minutes or have I been sitting at my desk for too long, asking yourself all of those questions puts you in a stressed state. And if you're in a stressed state, your body is not able to focus on actually detoxifying, actually relaxing, actually allowing your body to go through all of its natural processes and digestive processes. Instead, it is stuck in a situation where your body is ready to run. We come from historically a an, an environment where the environment or the, the nature was trying to eat us constantly. We were, were not top of the food chain. We were definitely needed to be able to defend ourselves. And so we had two stress responses. We had fight, so stand and fight, or we had flight, so run away. If we are constantly putting ourselves in stress due to our internal conversation with ourselves, then we're stuck in fight or flight and we don't have the ability for our body to just relax and do what it needs to. We're basically using all of our energy to focus on survival. And we don't want to be surviving, we want to be thriving. This sounds like why people do these, you know, high intensity classes and then they're like, wait, I feel, if anything, worse or bulkier or more stressed. And it sounds like they're just inducing stress on themselves, which is completely counterproductive is, is what you're saying. Absolutely. 
and and that is in a physical sense. Now, mm-hmm. uh, when I was a personal trainer, I had um, an ex-professional runner come to see me. Um, she said to me, okay, I, I want to lose five kilos in the next six weeks. So you can imagine professional runner. She knows how to train. She knows what she's supposed to be eating. She knows what she's supposed to be doing. And she was also qualifying, getting qualified as a personal trainer herself at the time. And I said to her, okay, that's fine. You've, you've got six weeks. You want to lose five kilos. And I said to her, well, slow down. Essentially, we took her from training four to five times a week to training two or three times a week and doing some stretching sessions and some relaxation sessions and increased her water intake maybe a little bit. She lost five kilos in two weeks. Wow. Because she needed to slow down. And does that mean that everyone needs to slow down? Not at all from a physical sense, but most people need to stop being so hard on themselves. A that, thousand percent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I know that, that you can relate to this, Chelsea, and I, and I know that you've probably on this, on this podcast spoken to a lot of people who have recommended similar sort of things, but it is massive, massive that people put so much pressure on themselves. And then you fold into that, my mentor um, calls them relationships rather than relationships because they're not actually doing anything for you. They're actually detrimental to your health because you're not actually getting anything out of the relationship. It's actually dragging you down. So we're talking about people external to yourself who you might need to reassess how much time you spend with them. Have you ever walked into a, had had someone walk into a room and feel the energy change and the whole energy of the room just drops because Mm -hmm. of their influence? You've obviously had that happen, Chelsea. I have had that happen many times. And so what this woke me up to is that I also as part of my own health, needed to make different choices around who I was spending time with for my own health. We've all heard the terms or all heard the the conversation or the, the, the analogy, I suppose, is a better word for it around there being your income can be determined by the five people that you spend the most time around. Well, that doesn't just relate to income. It relates to your health as well. This is so literally relevant because just five days ago, I met this person, um, this girl who actually completely changed my energy in a really positive way that I didn't realize how many energy sucking people I was hanging out with that I realized, oh my gosh, I need to be hanging around high vibe people that have same goals as me that that talk about everything in abundance and positivity. They don't come from a place of disparity or insecurity. And it literally has shifted my mood and energy every day. And I'm actually going through a bit of a rough patch. And I've noticed it's because of this girl's energy. Whereas when I hang out with lower energy people, you're like, oh, well, they're my friends. Like, you know, it's just my circle. No, it actually does impact our health. Like you said, it's, I was making poor food choices. I wasn't sleeping well. And I've just thought, well, this is the way life is. So 
it sounds like we need to reevaluate, you know, who's in our circle in this new year. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you're absolutely correct around you make different food choices when you're around people that are willing to compromise more on their health than you would want to be. So absolutely, if you're hanging out with someone who's not on the same page as you around your health goals for 2020, well, they're going to potentially influence you or alternatively, you're going to have to have a whole lot of willpower to not be influenced by them. So that's... (laughs) Exactly. It, it becomes a question of, of whether you, you want to exercise your willpower muscle or if you want to put yourself in a, in a better position to make, an, make your positive choice easier. I want to go back to the surviving and thriving thing that you talked about with, with yes. how humans were built to either fight or flight because it makes so much sense. Like even, you know, today when you get in an argument with someone, you either run away or you're like, no, I'm going to stand here until we're done arguing and make my point. There's, you still see this in everyday life with conflict. So when it comes to food choices and health, can you expand on how this, you know, fight or flight response, um, integrates into our health and, and choices that we make every day to improve our health? Absolutely. So the biggest thing that, that I've learned, uh, around, the, the fight or flight response to to food choices, to all of the choices that we make in our life, uh, actually comes back for me um, to our decision making process. Now, a lot of people teaching decision making, uh, and and a lot of people teaching success principles, will talk about all the all that you need to do is make a decision. If you've made a decision, then everything will uh, work from there. If you haven't made that decision, then that's why you're struggling because you haven't actually made the decision. I actually disagree with that sentiment because you can make a decision, and we all do. We make a decision almost every day. We make a decision to get out of bed if you really want to get down to the finality of it. But the origin of the word decision is um, actually means to cut off and kill all other options. So if you look at the origin of that word, that's what it's saying. But in society today, particularly around food, we make a decision that we're going to eat healthier, in inverted commas. Whatever eat healthier means for you, you've made that decision that that's what you're going to do. And then five minutes later, you get bombarded with advertising for everything that doesn't fit into your definition of healthy eating. So in today's society, we cannot cut off and kill all other options when it comes to food because we literally are presented with a new option every five seconds and we can't we can't avoid it we can't get away from it so i say we've made the decision now what we need to do is we need to get comfortable with our choices 
because we've made the decision that we're going to eat healthier. Does that mean that from the point of making that decision, everything from that day forward needs to be healthy? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And the reason for that is because if that is your focus, you're putting yourself into this fight or flight state because you're constantly on edge about making sure that every choice that you make is the healthy choice. And that, if I'm really honest, is bordering on impossible, if not impossible. I was going to say, that's just where that self-talk comes in too, because then, like you're saying, if you make it impossible, then you immediately start punishing yourself. Oh, I'm so bad. I ate that cupcake. Oh, I hate my life. I ate that pizza slice. And then it just snowballs mentally and physically. Absolutely. And I love the fact that you've, that you've jumped in because that is literally where it goes. Because if you put too much pressure on yourself, you're constantly in that fight or flight state. And when you make a mistake or in inverted commas, eat the wrong thing, you then beat yourself up and beat yourself up and beat yourself up. The interesting thing about that is that then that goes from the psychological to the physical. Chelsea, have you ever heard of a gentleman by the name of Dr. Matsuri Emoto? No, I have not. Okay. Dr. Emoto is a gentleman who has done some fantastic studies on uh, water. Um, there's a, he's written a book, I believe it's called The Hidden Messages in Water. And as you would be aware, over 70% of our body is water. Over 70% of every human body is water. So what Dr. Emoto's done is he has frozen water and actually photographed it as crystals in the water are forming. And so those crystals form in different shapes depending on outside influences of the water. Whoa, <laughs> this is already crazy. This is really crazy. And what I would, I would encourage, there are, there are a lot of people listening to this podcast. In this day and age, you have a smartphone. I would jump on Google right now and search for Dr. Emoto, E-M-O-T-O, and the book called or his study of the hidden messages in water because you will find on Google images pretty quickly of these crystals and the way that they form because there's a different crystal for love. There's a different crystal for hate. There's a different crystal for water's response to classical music. There's a different crystal for just about everything. And some of them are beautiful, love, happiness, classical music, all of these different things. And then when you start looking at the way that water freezes in response to hate and in the way that water freezes when it's come out of the Sydney water supply or anything like that. There's, there's also, there are countless examples of it. The crystals malform and they, or, or they don't form crystals at all. It's just a solid mass of ice straight away. 
So that, for me, what that did for me when I learned about this was I realised that if I'm going to eat the unhealthy option and as I'm eating it, I'm regretting the fact that I'm eating it, what's that actually doing to the food that I'm eating? If if, if, if the, the terms of love and endearment and classical music and positive vibes, so to speak, can have that influence on water, what influence can we have on the food that we're eating as we're eating it? I cannot wait to look at these pictures. I'm like ready to pull these up and look because I am in shock that water, which doesn't really have emotion, is actually affected by these external factors. So like you said, it makes perfect sense why it would affect us in the same way. I'm actually curious how um, with the emotional management, it seems like it's not only essential to our health, but imperative. So when we're talking about stress, there, you know, there's a lot of people listening now that don't really know where to start. Like maybe they've tried meditation, it doesn't work, or they just, they love their high intensity workouts. They don't want to give those up. Like what are some uh, routines or action items that you would tell someone listening that they could in, uh, implement in their lives to start reducing that stress? That's a, that's a really good question. And the interesting thing about my answer to that question is it's actually going to depend a whole lot on the person and what they will actually implement. Because I could sit here and say, okay, um, like you talk about, um, there, there are people who love their meditation, there are people who, who um, enjoy their high-intensity workouts and those sort of things. Each person is going to have their preference. What I do is I make a decision. I've, I make that choice, right? We, we've, we talk about making a decision about eating healthy. I made that decision a couple of years ago. Does that mean that I'm healthy every day or that I eat healthy every day? Absolutely not. But on the days when I am having a less healthy day, I, what I do is I actually focus on where I'm going to go tomorrow or the next day, or I might have a fast planned in a couple of weeks, or I might have a specific program that I'm going to in a few days. I know that in the future, I'm going to make up for or get rid of or improve in the future. So what I'm doing today affects me less because I know what's going to happen in the future. So if you're going to have a bad day today or you're going to have something that you know is not 100% positive today, enjoy it, get amongst it, love it, appreciate it, appreciate the flavours, appreciate the relaxation, appreciate the, the whatever it is that comes along with it and enjoy the moment. And then once you've enjoyed the moment, once you've got involved in what it is that you're in, you're, you're, you know is not 100% good for you, move forward. The so faster, just let it go. 
Exactly. The faster that you can move forward, the faster that you can let it go, great way to put it, Chelsea, faster that you can you can let it go, the more likely you are to not hold on to it physically as well as psychologically and then focus on what it is that you're going to do tomorrow, the next day or next week to improve. The biggest thing that that I've heard from people is that they want to snap their fingers. They want to snap their fingers and they want to want to become healthy or they want to lose 10 kilos or they want to be this picture of health with those washboard abs and everything else. They want it tomorrow. What we as a society have forgotten is that there's a, a process that we need to go through. The ancient Greek culture used to talk about it as a process of gnosis through to praxis and then on to intellicus. Gnosis means to know. Intellicus means to be. So we know that we want to be healthier and we try and skip the middle step and jump to being healthy. The middle step is called praxis, what is also known as practice. We need to practice being healthy before we can actually be healthy. So the lack of pressure, the understanding that this is my time to practice being healthy and if I fall off the rails or if I don't necessarily do it as well as I thought I could, we need to embrace that. We need to embrace the fact that we are practicing and it is simply about increasing the number of good choices that we make each day, not necessarily aiming for 100% good choices. This is a really good concept because I never thought of it that way of let's say tomorrow, you know, by some magical creation, you did get, you know, your eight pack and you're ripped and you look like, you know, the models on the magazine covers. Would you be able to sustain that? And probably not because you never had that practice like you're talking about. You never built those habits. So you wouldn't even know how to handle continuing on that path because you never even tried it. So I never thought of it in that way because I'm the same way where I'm like, oh, I've been drinking smoothies. I'm going to yoga. Like, why am I not seeing anything? And it's the consistency in that practice that you would actually start seeing results. So I'm, I really love this approach. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's interesting. And the, the reason why I talk about it so passionately, Chelsea, is because it's actually been my journey. So a little bit more of, of my background and, and what this has meant to my life. Um, I'm, I, I shared a photo the other day with um, some people uh, and also online of, of me um, comparing what I looked like um, four years ago um, in October of 2015. It's a little bit over four years ago now. In October of 2015 uh, and comparing that to October of 2019. And the, the two people in those two photos are night and day different. I was carrying around 40 extra kilos than I am today. Um, I, I still weigh over 90 kilos. I'm a, I'm a six foot seven guy, so I'm, I'm, I'm a big guy um, without um, carrying any extra weight. And so the fact that I was carrying between 35 and 40 extra kilos um, made me into, a, into an even bigger human. 
I, over that four-year period, um, have implemented some, some simple changes in my life. Now, have I gone from um, being unhealthy to being healthy and doing, uh, having, having 15 or 20 different things on my routine list for the day in two months or a month or a week or even six months? Not at all. Four years ago, I started with one or two things. And I built on that one or two things once they were a part of my routine, part of my life. I was quite pragmatic about the fact that I knew that this was going to take some time and I was willing to devote the time because I understood that at the time I had been in my body for over 36 years. All of the things that I needed to do to improve my health, I had been impacting on for 36 years. So the idea or the concept that I'm going to be able to undo 36 years of damage in the space of a week or a month or even six months was ludicrous. How can you undo 36 years of treatment in that shorter space of time? And the desire to do that just I, I understood the concept that I needed to give myself time and give my body time to adjust. And that's the biggest thing that I can encourage all of the listeners out there is give yourself time. Yes, it won't happen tomorrow, but it will happen if you're consistent. It's not the smoothie that you drink today that is going to have you be. 100% healthy tomorrow. But it's the 365 smoothies that you drink between now and the beginning of 2021 that are going to have you be healthier at the beginning of 2021 than you are at the beginning of 2020. That reminds me of the 1% better method, which I literally just read about. That makes so much sense. It's so hard for us to just get started. But then once you do, you're like, okay, it wasn't that hard. It was the getting started part that no one wants to do. So if someone yeah. listening right now can't find that motivation or they just think in your case, very similar to your case, oh, I'm 36 years old or I'm even 50 years old. Like it's just too late for me to start. My body is just the way it is. This is how I am. What advice would you give them to just get that little momentum going? The first thing that I would, I would recommend is um, start with two things. Start with an extra glass of water in the morning and start with a 15-minute walk. Simple. The reason why I start there, A, is absolutely, Chelsea, they are very simple. Those are, those are the two things that you will find will have the, a, a massive impact. Uh, most people in our society today are dehydrated. Dr. Batman Gulaji has written a book called The Body's Many Cries for Water. There are people out there and possibly some of them listening to this podcast who suffer from back pain, and that back pain is simply because they're dehydrated. There are some people possibly listening to this podcast and plenty of people out there who get indigestion every day. That is because they're dehydrated. 
the, your body is crying out for water in many cases, and that is because we don't drink enough of it. So starting with one glass of water, and I would recommend waking up and having a glass of water, that's the, that's the best time for me. You've then got the, the whole day for your body to, to appreciate it. But starting with a glass of water will be huge for some people. And the reason why I talk about a 15-minute walk, and again, my recommendation would be a 15-minute walk at the beginning of the day to get your body moving and to essentially set you up for the rest of the day. The reason why I recommend 15 minutes is because, because 15 minutes, let's be honest, is pretty easy. And after a week of doing 15 minutes, you'll, you'll naturally extend it to 20 minutes and 25 minutes and 30 minutes because you'll find that you will enjoy it. It's not something that's pressure like going out and pounding the pavement and running 5Ks. It's not pressure like going and lying on a bench press or doing some squats or doing any of those sort of things. If you simply were to go for a walk every morning, start with 15 minutes, you will be amazed at how much it will change how your body feels, let alone how you feel in general. I was going to say, even your mindset, just looking at things differently. I started walking to work instead of taking the bus. And I'm like, wait, I didn't know this cool cafe was here. I didn't realize that this cute little restaurant was on the corner of my street because I always just took a different route. So now I quite enjoy walking to work and it changes my perspective because I'm outside, I'm in nature. I kind of see my neighborhood from a different lens now versus when I just took the bus just to get there quicker. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that and that then then comes back to to all of the mindset things around relationships and relationship with yourself and all of those things will absolutely be affected by your changed perspective. So that's that's fantastic. We have to touch on something that you brought up earlier is fasting. I yes. have heard so much about intermittent fasting. I'm from America and it became a huge trend. Like it blew up. There were all these podcasts about it. There were books about it. Everyone wanted to do it. Um, can you discuss fasting and, you know, is this a trend? Is this something we should be implementing? I would love to hear your thoughts around it. Absolutely. So, Chelsea, you're talking to someone who intermittent fasts most days. Perfect. So it's not something that you are against. <laughs> no, definitely not something that I'm against. Um, definitely something that I support. And the reason why I support it um, has actually got very little to do with any of the research that's been done recently and any of the, the, the fads or anything like that. Um, the reason why I support it, um, it actually has to do with a book called The Essene Gospel of Peace. Now, The Essene Gospel of Peace, I'm, I'm, I would like also to stress to, to the listeners, um, I, I do reference this book. Um, I'm not necessarily a religious person. I'm a very spiritual person. But the, the fact that this book comes out of uh, the Vatican Library, um, for me, is no reflection on what's in the book. Uh, and so I, I just want to let everyone know that, yes, this is a, is a book that is going to, that, that just does come from a, a religious faith or a religious background, but for me has... Uh, repercussions has has implementation across faith and across um, everyone's life, and the reason for that is that there's a passage within that book 
that talks about if we as human beings eat more than twice a day, we are inviting evil into our body. Now, however you look at that, whether you look at it as evil as the religious version of evil or evil as in the physical things that we see um, in the medical community these days, I know a lot of people believe or or would attribute um, things like cancer and heart disease and diabetes and all of these things as evil being present in their body or in a body. So that for me is the, the, um, I suppose, connotation that I add to the word evil is by eating more than twice a day, we are inviting disease into our body. So if that was in a book that was first translated in the 1920s and has been around a lot longer than that, that then for me says, okay, maybe there's something in this. And then you fold into that, that you continue reading that passage. It talks about eat when the sun is highest in the sky and again when once the sun has set. And if you want your body to be in optimal health, you will eat but once a day. So if you want to go to the extreme, eat for an hour a day or eat within an hour of, of the day and fast for 23 hours every day. And yes, there are people who do that. Um, I, I got myself into a, into a semi-argument with a friend of mine the other day uh, when I said to her that the, uh, the strongest man in the world, pound for pound, uh, he eats once a day. He does, unfortunately, only hold one record right now, uh, but from a pound for pound point of view, he eats once a day. Uh, and he is the strongest man in that particular category. So if that's the case, maybe there's something in this intermittent fasting for the rest of us. And for that reason, I actually follow what the Essene Gospel of Peace says, and I eat lunch, being that when the sun is highest in the sky, and then dinner after the sun has set. So I don't eat my breakfast. I don't eat all of the things that I used to recommend as a personal trainer, I don't eat all of those things that I used to recommend in the morning. So it sounds like you believed something from the past that you thought was healthy and now you're, you've changed your perspective a bit and adopted a new way of eating that seems to work for you, showing that you can change your patterns. Absolutely. You can absolutely change your patterns and I would absolutely recommend any of the listeners out there that if you do throughout your life find something that resonates better with you than what you're currently doing, don't be afraid of change. Change is constant. The world is changing constantly. We as humans need to be willing and able to change with it. Now, what about during the feeding period, I guess is what you call it, when you're actually eating, what are you eating? It sounds like you're a healthy person, but I've heard people that say, oh, I eat whatever I want as long as it's in that, you know, X period window. What are your thoughts on that whole concept? My, my response to, to people who are, who are eating anything during that period uh, is all you're doing by eating anything within that period is limiting the amount of healing that your body's going to be able to do outside of that period. 
So the the science or the the reason behind um, the intermittent fasting uh, is that basically what we're looking to do is give our bodies an opportunity to detoxify. So we break the day up into into three eight hour periods, eight hours for consumption. I personally eat between about twelve and one to to about eight or nine at night, and then. The next eight hours is a, is a period of assimilation, so processing what you've eaten and actually assimilating it into your muscles and tissue within your body. And that process actually generates some waste product. So the eight hours following is designated or designed for your body to actually eliminate all of that, so detoxify the waste products from what you've eaten or what you've consumed the day prior. So that for me happens between 4 a.m. and about midday, maybe a little bit longer. So I'm sure some of your listeners and probably yourself, Chelsea, at some point have woken up in the morning and just felt a little bit rotten. Not because you've had too much to drink the night before or anything like that. It's just that you, you, you're not feeling on top of the world and you, you're kind of feeling a little bit fluey, but you know it's not a flu and it's just kind of not quite there. What that is, is your body actually going through a detox process. What we need to do is we need to embrace that. What that's, that process is, is your body dealing with what it needs to deal with in order to actually be healthy. And the reason why I talk about that is because if you're using your eight-hour period to eat whatever you want, in inverted commas, then you're actually just increasing the amount of detoxification your body needs to do the next morning rather than allowing your body to detox the small amount that you've had the day before or the small amount of waste product that you generate from the day before and then get into the business of detoxifying the things you ate last year or the year before or the year before. The more healthily you can eat within that eight-hour period, the more likely you are to actually have an impact on your health in general rather than it just being a maintenance system. What we're looking for is to actually go beyond maintenance and go into optimization. We want to optimize our body and allow our body to actually go through the process of detoxing all the damage we did previously. So the healthier you can eat, personally, I eat a plant-based diet. Am I completely vegetarian or vegan? Not at all. But I don't eat a lot of meat and I don't eat a lot of dairy, but I do still on occasion do that. But the more that I eat plant-based and the healthier that I eat during that eight-hour period, the better off I am from a dealing with. And it is the reason why I have lost so much weight over the last three to four years is because I've allowed my body that period to detox. This makes sense. But there might be people listening that say, I don't have that luxury. I'm always traveling. I work you know, 60 to 80-hour 80, 80 weeks. I'm always in transit. I'm on a train or a plane or driving, 
what would you say to these people that have pretty chaotic schedules to build some type of healthy routine? This for me, and thank you for that question, Chelsea, the, this, this for me comes back to the choices that we make. Because I, I, I don't know about, about anyone else. When I first got involved in a, uh, a plant-based diet and was looking for healthier options, um, I was actually at an event in, in Sydney and I, I wasn't living in Sydney at the time. The event finished and I was at the airport at dinner time. And as we all are aware, in an airport, there are countless options of fast food that you can sit down and, and have. And there are um, generally restaurants with bars where you can sit and have a beer and you can do all of the different things that you might want to do while you're waiting for, for a plane. But it comes back to what are you focused on and what choice are you making? Because in all of those food areas, there is always something that is plant-based. Now, yes, it's not going to be as good as you could potentially make at home. I don't argue about that. But again, this comes back to we do as much as we can do and be content with that and move forward. I, on, on this occasion in Sydney, I went to a falafel store and I got falafel instead of going to Hungry Jack's that was next door. I got a falafel roll and as most people would be aware, falafels are made from chickpeas, a bit of salad, and then the roll or the wrap was, was in some pita bread. That was my choice. Would I have made that choice had I not been focused on getting a little bit healthier? Absolutely not. I would have gone to Hungry Jack's next door. But what we need to do when we're living a busy schedule is take the wins when we can get them. Does it mean that we don't have a glass of wine with dinner when we're out with colleagues while we're traveling? Absolutely not. Have the glass of wine. Enjoy the glass of wine. Enjoy life. That's, that's what this is about. But at the same time, when you have the opportunity, take the opportunity. What about your routines? Because it seems like you have really invested into committing to your health with habits and choices like you just said. Instead of getting hungry jacks, you went and got a healthier option. So it sounds like it all came back to a consistent routine. And I would love to hear your morning routine, your evening routine, or just daily routine in general to get an idea of how this all really started for you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm, I'm actually really lucky uh, because I, I, the reason why, and the reason why I can relate to all of the people who have busy schedules and travel a lot uh, is because that was me uh, prior to or during putting all the weight on four years ago or prior to four years ago. Um, I, I used to be in a, in a job where I was, I was traveling 90% um, of the year um, and I was, I was staying in hotels and, and eating restaurant food um, three days a week, uh, three days a week, three meals a day, should I say. Um, and so that was really tough for me. And so I can relate to, to other people having the same sort of thing. But there are all those choices on every buffet, in every restaurant to make a healthier choice. So take the opportunity when you can. But 
where did my routine come from? How did did I end up where I am? I went to a to a retreat um, that taught me the principles of of intermittent fasting. I came home from the retreat uh, with an idea of the routine that I was going to to get involved in. Uh, and and basically that routine has stuck over the last it's a it's now nearly two and a half years. Um, I do have an office job uh, where I I do come to work and I actually bring my lunch to work with me. So my routine in the morning is to get up and do all of my ablutions and prepare myself for work. And then before I leave the house, I make myself my lunch smoothie. Now that consists of five different varieties of fruit. So some banana, some pineapple, some mango, some blueberries, and some raspberries. Um, And then I also add to that some hemp seeds. And um, it depends on the day as to whether I end up with some coconut water or some soy milk um, added to that. Um, Different days, I feel like different things. So that then goes in a jar and comes with me to work. The other thing that I do um, bring with me to work um, is actually some cold pressed juice. So it depends on the week as to the flavor, depends on the time of year as to the flavor. Um, but I love a good Kabbalah, which is a mixture of carrot, apple, beetroot, apple, lemon, apple, and I throw a little bit of ginger. Some people are probably listening going, why did he say three apples? <laughs> three, di- three different varieties of apple. So a red apple, a green apple, and a yellow apple. And then it might also be a, a pineapple, carrot, lemon, and ginger. It just really depends. I have a, have a really good cubing slow juicer at home that I juice for myself. Uh, for those of you who are into juice uh, and are sick of spending $10 a bottle for a good quality cold-pressed juice, I would highly recommend going in there and finding a, a cubing's juicer. They are phenomenal. Um, and you will save yourself a bucket load of money. And then what I do, um, I'm not a morning, I'm not a fantastic morning person, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who can relate. I, even as a personal trainer, was never at the gym at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, it, it's just not me, where I will quite happily stand up from my desk and go for a run at lunchtime. So that is my routine. I go for a 5K run at lunchtime or alternatively I go to the gym at lunchtime and then uh, go back to my desk and have my smoothie and my juice in the afternoon. And then in the evening is is the time that I have a solid meal. Now, the thing that I do want to stress about the intermittent fasting thing is as well that I am a little bit extreme. I jumped straight into only doing water in the morning. Now, that is, is the ultimate of intermittent fasting. What my mentor shared with me at the, at the retreat where I learned about it was that there are, there are actually two other ways to start. And the reason there are two other ways to start is because what we're looking to do is we're looking to capitalize on our detox process. The reason why we we need not eat during that period is because that's going to force all of our energy into detox. If we can eat something simple that is not going to detract from that process, i.e. some fruit in the morning, 
we're still going to be a percentage of, there's still going to be a percentage of detoxification going on. So for those people who are completely sitting there going, oh, but I could not, I, I couldn't survive without eating breakfast, my encouragement would be, we'll start with some fruit. Once you're comfortable with just eating fruit in the morning, then give a day of, of only juice in the morning a go and see how you feel. And once you're comfortable with just juice, then give water a go. Start with fruit, move on to juice, and then on to water. If jumping straight into water seems like it's something that you wouldn't be able to do. And what about non-food choices in terms of like journaling or meditation or visualization? Do you incorporate any of that into your daily routines? Chelsea, to be honest, um, they're not some they're not things that I have put into my routine yet. Um, I am a firm believer in the fact that uh, all of those things are are very very good. Uh, I did at one point go down uh, the the route of getting myself a, a home yoga practice and those sort that and 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 going along that line from a from a meditative yoga point of view. Um, it has been something that I struggle to fit into my routine or to, to, to be diligent about, to use my word from the year for last year. Um, and, and that for me is, is all part of my journey. So I talked before about starting four years ago with a, sh- a small list and growing that list over time. All of those things are still on my list to implement but they're not th- things that have made it to to uh, into my routine at this point. I appreciate the honesty because I feel like you're just doing what works for you and you're not trying to disrupt that and it's working. So why change it? Correct. And and that's that's the the exactly the point of view that I come from is yes, there are probably a dozen other things that I could be doing on a daily or weekly or even fortnightly or monthly basis to to go to the next level. Um, I'm at the level at the moment where I'm comfortable and I'm, and I'm actually not putting pressure on myself to go to that next level right now. Uh, will that happen in 2020? Some of those things will be on the list and part of the routine by the end of the year. Uh, whether that starts next week or starts next month, um, I'm, I'm yet to, to kind of put pressure on myself around any of those sort of things. Right. I think there's already too much pressure in the new year. People sign up for memberships and then they have 25 goals and they want to triple their income and it's just too much too fast. So I'm a big believer as well in the patience and slow integration of new routines. Absolutely. And I have one last question. What is the best piece of advice that you have received around health? The best piece of advice that I have received around health, I would have to say that the best piece of advice that I've ever received was no matter the change that you make, you have never joined a religion. And what I mean by that, I'm not talking about physical religion. You have not joined something that is needs to be 110% adhered to every minute of every day. And on the flip side of that, it's also not something that you need to go home or go out or go wherever and preach about. I love that. 
Your journey in health is your journey. It doesn't mean it needs to be someone else's journey. If they want to know or if they ask you a question, absolutely. Answer the question. Tell them what you think they're ready to hear. Tell them what you think they, they, they would appreciate hearing. But that doesn't mean that we need to get on our soapbox and say, I'm intermittent fasting and I'm going to change the world because I, everyone needs to intermittent fast with me. That's not, that's, that's not what I see as the, the reason or the, the necessity for us to get involved in these things. Our health is a personal journey and only after you're comfortable with the personal journey should you, in my opinion or in my experience, be willing and, and capable and all of those things to share that experience. I love that. I love that because it's so true with anything, really, not just health, even in business. It's like something might work for you that didn't work for someone else. It doesn't mean everyone needs to follow the way you did it and vice versa. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. If people want to work with you or find you, how can they get in touch? Uh, the easiest way to, to get in touch uh, is, is via my website. It's really simple. It's my name.com. So Luke Vanderpeer, V-A-N-D-E-P-E-E-R.com. Um, would be the easiest way to get in touch. Um, alternatively, um, my other encouragement, because I'm all about sharing a message of health and all about I really, it really doesn't bother me how people find out more about health and natural health. Um, the other thing that I would also encourage people to do is look up the Heal Thyself organisation. Um, they um, have health coaches like myself um, located around Australia and also globally now um, who can uh, assist people who need a, a more individual um, approach to their, their health. Amazing. We will have to check that out. Thank you so much, Luke, for being on the show. Thanks, Chelsea. Appreciate it. I said it at the end of the podcast with Luke, and I will say it again, that concept around practicing is so valuable to me because we all are so obsessed with the end result. Like, yeah, tomorrow would I love to wake up with a six pack with the love of my life, making more than six figures with the thriving business and all these other things, of course. But can you imagine if, can let's just actually imagine if that happened. Like tomorrow, wake up in the morning thinking I'm going to work and all of a sudden the universe was like, oh, here's the perfect body, perfect husband, for perfect house, perfect everything. I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. I have no idea how I got this. I don't know how to manage it because I, I have no clue how this even came into my life. It's not sustainable because I didn't even take the steps to get here. Like, let's say I got this body and the universe was like, okay, now, now you have to deal with it. I'd be like, well, I don't even know the steps I took to get here. Like, how do I deal with it? If I had a perfect relationship, the universe, I wouldn't know how to continue it because I don't know the steps. I didn't learn any lessons to get there. That concept was really mind-blowing and something I think we can all learn from is like the practice and the journey, which I always hate when people say that. You probably hear this on the podcast a lot, which is so funny because I feel like I talk about all this stuff, but like I hate like the two Pinteresty style stuff where it's like, okay, yeah, we all know that. We've all seen it. It's all about the journey, blah, blah, blah. But when he said it that way, it really clicked with me. Like, yeah, if you were just handed all that tomorrow and you didn't practice or have any, you didn't have any knowledge of how to get there, 
then you wouldn't sustain it. So I hope that that resonated with you guys too. Let me know what resonated with you by following me on Instagram, Chelsea Rife. I will link that in the show notes. You can DM me, let me know who you want to hear from. You can actually also write into the podcast, hello at inmynonexpertopinion.com. You can visit the uh, website, inmynonexpertopinion.com. And if you liked what you heard and found any value, please leave a review on iTunes or rate, review, subscribe, rate it five stars. If not, keep it moving. I'm just kidding. I obviously want your honest feedback. So seriously, reach out to me. Let me know who you want to hear or what you like about the podcast, what topics you like me to cover. I've heard my solo ones are actually um, quite helpful for you guys. And I think that's because I'm like only 10% away from the next person. I'm not like a celebrity. I don't have my own talk show. I'm not an influencer. I don't live in LA. Like I've done a lot of things that any other 20 year old can relate to. So I, um, I'm not 20, by the way, I turned 29 in three weeks. P.S. If anyone wants to give me a birthday gift, but you know, something in somebody in their twenties can relate to me. And I think I put a lot of pressure on myself when I did the solo episodes where I was like, no one's going to listen to these. Like it's just me rambling. But what I realized is I think that's helpful because I'm just like any other average person that wants to make a change in their life and I'm slowly making those changes. So I will try to do more solo podcasts. Just let me know what you want to hear about. I think the next one I'm going to do that solo will probably be a little bit more about the side of traveling people don't tell you about, like kind of the ugly, sad side and not in a bad way. It's just, I don't want to glamorize my life. Like, yes, I live in Sydney, Australia. I live in Bondi beach. I quit my job, blah, blah, blah. But there's a lot of shit that I've gone through that has really, really challenged me this year that wouldn't have happened if I didn't travel. So I think I'm going to cover that and then the lessons learned from that. So if that's interesting to you, let me know. I'll probably talk about dating soon. Um, what else? I definitely want to have my mom back on. I know she's like the most popular guest of 2019. And I think with her, we're going to talk about knowing your worth and your standards. So let me know if you're thinking of ideas for her because I know she would love to come on here as much as possible. So maybe we'll do like a bi-weekly Agnes chat. Let me know. All right, guys. I will see you next week. Bye.